0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Living a Legacy, and I'm excited to welcome to the program, Eric Couch. Eric, what's going on?
1: I know you're excited. Hey, guest. I know. We're, things are going well. Weather's good. We're getting into May. So today, we've got a very interesting conversation. We've got Carol Baskin. Yes, that Carol Baskin. We're going to be talking, and we're going to hear the rest of the story, and there's more story that I'm reading about online. So... Carol, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us.
2: Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. You're welcome. You're welcome, Carol. Absolutely. So, Carol, you know, I'm I'm one of the 400 billion people that was stuck at home a year ago, right? 13 months ago, I think, is when Netflix and all of us were stuck at home, and the show pops up. And the only way I've described it to people is it was like watching a train wreck in slow motion and you just couldn't look away. Um, And of course you were referenced in said show um, and it gave a perspective. Um, And and I'm one of the people that enjoyed watching the show, but it really was like watching a train wreck in slow motion. You just couldn't look away. Uh, And it seems to resonate with most everybody else. So what I would love to hear is, Today, some of, you know, the backstory, Um, you know, and there's a lot of things we'll we'll discuss and we've got a little time, but um, I guess for starters, is there some place that you would like to start and address before we kind of go back and hear more of the story and kind of your background? We want to talk about cats. We want to talk about a lot of things, but let's start there because that's what people know, right? That's how the word got out.
2: Well, thank you. And it was a perfect storm, I think.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. everybody stuck at home.
2: Mother Nature had just sent us all to our rooms for the wretched way that we were dealing with wildlife. And we were all looking for somebody to blame. And Mm -hmm. five days later, Tiger King came out and Joe Exotic proclaimed to the entire world that everything he didn't know about covid yet but if he had known about it i think he would have said i was responsible for covid as well oh
0: goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah and probably like all the yeah. means
2: said that yeah so it was just i think people were so desperate one to be entertained because they were scared out of their minds with covid hitting yeah. and two they were looking for somebody to blame you know people don't want to think about their own responsibilities as far as the mess we've gotten this planet into by not doing the things that are hard and expensive in order to ensure that we all have a life support system going forward. So I think it was an easy way for people to uh, refocus their attention on hating somebody. And I'm really glad that I was that person because I have the inner belief that everything happens for a reason and that it's all actually for the best and leading us to a higher sense of enlightenment. Whereas I think, and I've been told by a lot of other people that if they had been in that position, they probably would have committed suicide or, you know, just completely lost their minds during that period of time. So I'm thankful that it didn't happen to anybody that didn't have a better grip on
0: so being considered you you said you were the hated one in some ways i wouldn't have thought that it just depends i guess on the fan base and which side they would take so you were able to handle that so how could you were able to deal with that especially you didn't know how much of a storm it would be for the people that love you or hate you you know in certain ways based on the show
2: yeah it was a real shock i mean when my husband and i um first saw the teasers for tiger king we contacted the producers because we've been working with several different production films, m- most of them for like five years and including yeah. one for Tiger King. So they were all doing these things simultaneously and different ones had different um, pitches toward you know, animal protection. So Hidden Tiger came out after five years and of course nobody probably has ever heard of Hidden Tiger. It was an excellent film that talked about why we're losing the tiger in the wild. The conservation game is about how all of the big cat problems started in America with these talk show hosts taking cute little cubs onto late night shows and uh, several others that we were working on. And so Tiger King was pitched to us as being called something called uh, stolen wildlife. And the whole thing was supposed to be the blackfish for big cats. Did you guys see blackfish? I'm not.
1: No, but I saw that referenced online. What was it?
2: CNN ran it. And it was a film that showed how these orcas are taken away from their pods and forced to be kept in these little concrete swimming pools at SeaWorld and Seaquariums around the world and how these animals suffer in captivity. And as soon as people saw all of the abuse behind that industry, you know, stock can SeaWorld absolutely plummeted. They had to change the way they were doing things. They can't take animals from the wild anymore. They can't breed animals for life in those swimming pools anymore. And because the public won't stand for it. And so we thought, we were told, we were working on that for big cats all those years. And we have been providing them with all of the information about how petting cubs is actually causing the extinction of tigers in the wild, we gave them access to all of the experts that we know in the industry and, of course, told them who all the what we call bad guys are that are out there exploiting cubs and pimping them out for pay to play sessions. And so when Netflix started pitching this thing called Tiger King, we called them up. And we were like, who's doing that show? Because everybody in this industry knows <laughs> who's working on what. And all of a sudden they didn't want to talk to us. And they had said Joe Exotic would be just, you know, a very small part of this thing that would be about all of these bad actors. So we sat there like everybody else and binge watched it. And we kept thinking, you know, at some point they're going to tell the truth here. They're going to say, you know, we've done this whole thing, this whole character assassination of Carol, but here's what the truth is. Because we had seen a podcast done that way the year before for Mm Wonder. And they had gone through that same kind of a format where they, you know, they went along with everything that the bad guys say about me. And then at the end, he said, here's what I found out to be true. And he's like, all these people are liars. And this is the only all woman right. that's actually trying to end the abuse. And so we sat there through seven episodes waiting for that day. And it was like, it didn't come. And so at the end of it, my husband and I sat there looking at each other and we were just gobsmacked. And said, you know, what a missed opportunity. They hardly talked about tigers at all, as far as, you know, what's going on with them.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it really wasn't about tigers. It was about, like, putting, in some sense, putting the fun in dysfunction. I mean, it was, (laughs) uh, it was just, you know, yeah, I mean, from just, I don't even know how to describe it. There's so much from everything, but just uh I guess the depravity of man is probably what it's about uh in a in a semi almost comical but really kind of sad just is this real it's like no these aren't actors like this is even though they at least Joe sees himself as you know theatrical and everything he does but it's just like wow um but yes you you were painted very specifically by you know Joe um (laughs) You know, and there's a specific yeah. phrase that's used regularly, uh, by Joe. Um, but then, you know, become they, they do name, huh? I said, it's like become
2: my middle name.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it has. And I know that, you know, on Facebook, there was, well, there was some tiger King memes that literally I, I looked one day and it was started. And I want to say like three days later, it had over a hundred thousand. And then it was like, seemed like a million. And I was like, oh my goodness, this thing is, it's everywhere. Um, You know, but but you're also portrayed from watching it as as someone who's, you know, kind of the the Goliath of, you know, in that you've got this massive media presence that apparently you built for quite a while YouTube, Facebook, social media, right. uh, a pretty material following of people um, that assumedly you know, that's, that's what allowed you to, you know, from a positive perspective, you know, it's used as she's got this army of people that's trying to hold Joe down. Right. But then, you know, if, if, as an analytical person, you're going, okay, she's got this army of people that she's built an influence. So, you know, I know as a side, I would be curious to know, uh, you know, how did you, how did you go about Cause I want to come back to the drama, but I'm curious, how did you build that influence? I mean, being an influencer of having all these people. A lot of people were like, "How do you do that?" Uh, and and clearly, just from watching the show, like you've done that. And I'm assuming that's what's helped fund Big Cat Rescue, and that's what helped, you know, get the word out and stuff. So I, I would love, to, at least for a minute, just to kind of hear, step back and and hear that because it's it's intriguing to a lot of people and how somebody does that.
2: Well, it's interesting that you you phrased it that way because I think there are two different camps out there. There were people who either right. already knew us or people who may not have known me because they didn't know so much about cats. They might've known about elephants or dolphins or whatever. Right. But they understood that there is an industry that exploits animals and there are people screaming in the darkness against it like they yeah. have been. And so people who associate with wanting to protect animals to them, of course, no matter what they managed to say about me or have people say about me, they were still like, I don't care about anything else. I just care about the animals. But then there was this huge element of people who just didn't, for lack of a better word, put dog in that fight. And so they just didn't care to them. Yeah, I had
1: people, no idea it existed.
2: Yeah, and that's been a problem. But as far as how yeah. we built this um, amazing team that we have, back in the 90s when we started this, I'm in real estate for a living. And so I okay. have always been really um, frugal. Like I don't have an office. I don't have excessive, you know, secretaries and all that kind of stuff. I really work on a shoestring, even though it's a a multi-million-dollar real estate business now, and it got destroyed during the the, um, conservatorship. But I've always been that kind of person. Anywhere I can cut corners without, you know, of course, harming the cats, I would do that. And when I started the sanctuary, I felt like the biggest expense are salaries and people love big cats. And so Mm. If you give them the opportunity to be safely trained to work around the cats and to do something important with their lives, then people will do that kind of work for free. They won't do stuff like fundraising or, you know, they don't want to give tours. They don't want to go out and talk to kids at schools, but they want to work around the cats. So all of our animal care has always been done by volunteers. And for some reason, I don't know why, but like from the nineties until now, we've always had between like 80 and
0: 120
2: volunteers. It's always like, right. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's material. Do you
0: think, do you think it's because people love being around cats? It's kind of like in the pro wrestling business. And when I watch Tiger King, I'm a former pro wrestler, Carol, and I and I know the whole industry of the carnival act. That's pretty much a lot of these tiger people. It's like a carny in certain Mm -hmm. ways. So everyone wants to be part of it in some sort of way, because they could never be able to reach out and touch an animal unless they had that opportunity or to be around what it had. Well, we
2: don't let them touch
1: them. <laughs> not touch them unless you're at Joe's, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I'd want to touch them per se, but yeah. Well, the cubs, you know, you, you yeah. know. Yeah.
2: So you know that part of what we've done has already has always been so many people are giving their entire lives to taking care of these animals and of course they're telling others about it and so it share you know it shares by word of mouth. But when I could only afford three paid people, I hired one person to manage all those volunteers. I had hired one person mm-hmm. to um, run our gift shop. So you've got merch and logo wear and all that kind of stuff that you're putting out there that's advertising and branding. And then the third person, everybody thought I was crazy in this industry, but I wanted a videographer. And I mm-hmm. felt like, you know, back in the 90s, I thought video was going to be the next big thing. And it turns out it was. Right. And so these it was. Yeah. <laughs> these you know, if you remember the 90s, it's like trying to get the tiniest little video clip to even play anywhere <laughs> was such yeah. a huge.
1: We were so thrilled when YouTube and Facebook and these social sites came along. So right, um, because we also had we also had dial-up internet in the '90s, so it would take like 20 years to get the video <laughs> to play. Yeah,
2: yeah, do you remember?
1: <laughs> yeah. So
2: that was always an important part of what we were doing was making sure that every week there was a new video that was coming out, and we did the 80-20 mm-hmm. rule. So 80% of the stuff we just do is silly, fun stuff of cats having fun. But the other 20% is where we're trying to move people to actually contact their member of Congress and ask them to support our federal bill that would ban cub petting and phase out private possession. Mm. And ultimately what that does is it puts us out of business because that's my ultimate goal. There shouldn't be a place that has to rescue big cats from horrible situations. We just shouldn't have horrible situations. So that's been my goal all these years and I naively thought how hard could it be and turns out it's taken nearly 30 years and we're we're just now closing in on getting this federal bill passed but um it will pass this year i'm sure and that will put an end to probably 95 percent of the abuse
1: yeah
0: so what do you do then carol if you put yourself out of work in that way
2: you know my ultimate goal has always been to work with domestic cats and kittens because so many i mean millions of them are killed in shelters every year because people yeah. won't stay new to their pets and the only way to overcome that is through aggressive spay and neuter programs, making it free for people who can't afford it, um, getting giving um, veterinarians incentives to want to do that for free because currently that's not the case. And right. we could bring that number down to where every pet had a home. And that's what I really want to do. But I got to take care of this big cat thing before I can get back to what I really set out to do.
1: You know, and that, so that brings up, the, the question. So one of the things I had read, and I don't know, correct me if this is wrong, but um, is that when you've, I guess when you first started into this, like you were, you, you loved cats and kittens and stuff as a, as a child. My wife's name is Catherine. She always gone by cat. And I, I kid you not, there's not been a cat that has ever existed that she didn't want to stop and pet or give, you know, her mom is so funny because Marion's like, Oh that's not my cat. I don't want the cat. And we're like, "Then then why do you put food out every night for it?" She's like, "Cuz I'm concerned somebody's not feeding it." And I'm like, <laughs> "Well, you know what? If you're feeding the cat, it's probably your cat now." And the cat comes stands at her window every day, and she's like, "It's not my cat. I don't I don't want the cat. I just don't want it to starve." And I'm like, "Well, that cat's getting fed every day, so she's coming by. So my wife gets it naturally." Um but what I had read was that when you first started uh, that it said that you actually raised cubs and that y'all were selling them. Is that, is that correct at some point?
2: It was, we never bred
1: lions or tigers,
2: but okay. when we first got started, it was before the internet. And so we reached out yeah. to the local zoo. We had rescued 56 bobcats from a fur farm. And so we come home, I called the zoo, the local zoo. That's a like, few. What do I feed yeah. these guys? And they like hang up on me because I'm this stupid pet owner. And I was like, I didn't know this industry from anything. Yeah. And so The only people i could get advice from were the breeders and dealers and they were saying these are you know rare endangered animals some of the cats that we had were they were ocelots and caracals and probably cats you've never heard of and so they said you need to breed these for future generations and the zoos are doing a lousy job of it and so we did breed from about 95 i think 95 94 95 to 97 and we stopped breeding in 1997 because the internet came along. And I started going to the Association of Zoo and Aquariums. It's like a trade show for the big accredited zoos. Mm-hmm. And what I found out is none of these cats that are in private ownership have a pedigree so that you can't put them back mm-hmm. in the wild because you don't know where they came from. And they're all crossbred um, and inbred, and so there's no conservation value at all to them. And so I started spaying and neutering them as fast as I could. We had a couple. So you of thought cats-
1: you were doing a good thing, and the reality is, it's 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 not helping if you try to put them back in with with the others because they're they've been inbred so much. Is that and, right?
2: Well, yeah, and it's illegal. So it's illegal to release a cat who has been born in a cage to the wild. There's only been one. Um, well, two test programs. One is in Spain with the Spanish lynx that has gone extinct in their area. But when they breed those cats, they're raised by their mothers. They're never around people. They control them with remote or they watch them with remote controlled cameras, just like we do with our rehab cats. We never handle them or go near them. We dress up like trees if we have to go out there to the area where they are because you don't want them to imprint on people. Whereas all these Mm -hmm. people in Tiger King, the only reason they're breeding cats is because people will pay to pet them. Those cats are never serving any conservation value. They're never going back to the wild. So it's illegal to release a captive bred cat except for that Lynx really? program. And there was once, and we were involved in it back in the 90s, a program for ocelots because ocelots used to be in the US, but we've hunted them to extinction. And so the zoo said, you know, we got these ocelots. How about we breed them? We release them into what they call a soft release area so that those mothers then raise their kittens that are then released completely out to the wild. So we wanted to be a part of that and what they found very quickly was that these cats have instinctual, um, they have uh, regional instincts and so the cats that were in zoos all came from Central and South America. They were releasing them into the U.S. In Central and South America, ocelots eat snakes. Oh. in Texas, where they released them, those were rattlesnakes, and it wiped out oh, no. the entire population right away, and so there's never...
1: The been... rattlesnakes or ocelots?
2: <laughs> the ocelots. <laughs> the, the rattlesnakes won, because the ocelots thought, oh, food.
1: Oh, no, yeah, food no rattlesnakes Those gone. look
0: tasty. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so that showed that you just cannot release these animals back to the wild if you don't know their regional history, Right. and so that's when we stopped breeding the cats. We had a couple of accidents with cats that were like 18 years old. They usually only live to be 12 in most zoos and most in, in the wild. Here at the sanctuary I've got cats out there that are 25 years old. So I thought by the time they were 18 they were the least that I had to worry about. I started spaying and neuter all the younger ones first and so we had a couple of kittens that were born in 1999. I think one in 2000. But we haven't bred cats in 20 years. and there's just no reason to do it because they don't belong in cages
0: yeah how tough is that for them to be in cages especially when they're used to just yeah i'm sure yeah
2: i mean all of these cats were born in captivity and i think joe even in tiger king said something about you know if you were born crippled would you ever miss walking and it was like what a stupid thing to say of course yeah (laughs) but And it's the same thing with these cats, even though they've never known what it's like to live in the wild, they pace and pace and pace. We had a bobcat that came in. She had been hit by a car, and those are the only cats we could release are the ones that come in from the wild. Yeah. We had pinned her leg. She had, like, shattered her pelvis and broke her leg. And so she'd gone through all this medical stuff. She was about six weeks after her surgery, and so we had put her out into one of our rehab cages and our rehab cages just for a 20 pound bobcat is over 5,000 square feet. And I was watching her on the remote cameras trying to see how her gait was and how she was doing. And I thought, my God, this cat has been walking all night. And so I counted how many laps she had made around the cage. She walked 16 miles in a single night on a leg and a shattered pelvis that had just had six weeks to heal. So what could she have done if she were in good shape? There's no cage you can put a 20 pound cat in that they, that they would be happy much less a five or 700 pound tiger that can roam hundreds of miles.
1: Right. Right. So, so, um, so really what changed your mind on that is just finding out the truth behind it and that they really don't need to be, it doesn't, it doesn't help to breed them. And I know that came out some in the show, uh, is that you know these these cats are or are inbred too much or, or they can't be, you know, bred with with those in the natural habitat, um, and that uh, so I think they had said there's there's a bunch of them that you know they've been mixed with other different varieties of cats anymore that they're not even a uh, a specific or, or recognizable like you can't say they're a blank big cat or they're a this right, right? you can't say that they're a, a tiger or they're I'm sure there's you know uh, my vocabulary in this is like a, a crayon is a crayon and you're like no there's red crayons and blue and yellow and it's it's the same with tigers I'm sure I just don't know you know I'm ignorant so I don't know what all that but is, is that is that accurate And that they had just there they weren't any particular type anymore because of all the the breeding that had gone on and 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 ultimately it was realizing that I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just asking.
2: Um, There's like five different subspecies of tigers. And because of the fact that it was the zoos who wanted to have cute little, the big zoos wanted to have cute little cubs on display every year. Well, they don't have anywhere to keep last year's cute cubs. So they were selling them to the public. They got caught by a guy that wrote a book about it. And so they started selling to brokers who then sold to the public.
1: Oh, the zoos were selling them. Yeah, that's
2: how they ended up in private hands here in the US. They came from and the zoos wanted to separate themselves from that as much as they could so they would never say when they sold it it's a Sumatran tiger, it's a Javan tiger, it's a Bengal tiger um, because they didn't want that thing being traced back to them. So when these people get these tigers they start breeding them to each other now they've got this mix of all these different subspecies but Mm -hmm. Two things happen. One, Siegfried and Roy made it very popular for people to breed white tigers, right. and the only way you get white tigers is through very severe inbreeding, like brother to sister, father to daughter, oh, no. and it always hmm. comes with birth defects, and the worst, well not the worst, but the most common is that every cat that has a white coat has the gene that maps their optic nerve to the wrong side of their brain. So they're all cross-eyed, whether they look cross-eyed or not, their vision's bad. That's why they use them in these shows, because they get them up on a stool and that cat does not want to take a swing at you or try to jump down off that stool because it can't see. And, really? Yeah, so that's, you know, people were breeding these white tigers like crazy to the point where they were actually being born dead from all of the embryo. <laughs> so the zoos decided, the big zoos decided... Since that's happening and people really want to see these white tigers, what we're going to do is crossbreed between the different species to try and generate some white cubs that survive. And as a result, there's not one purebred Bengal tiger left in the United States because all of the zoos were complicit in that. And we fought against it for years. And finally, I think it was until 2011, that the zoos finally came out and said we're not going to breed white tigers anymore (laughs) this is not breeding people hate this we're going to stop but the private sector continued to do it because people just go gaga over it and then the other thing that you're talking about is actually breeding lions and tigers to each other and the reason they did that was because there were endangered species laws that would protect tigers under certain circumstances but they didn't protect hybrids and so the Uh, people who were exploiting these cats didn't want any government oversight. And by crossbreeding and creating ligers or tigons, which was just depending on which is the father, a lion or a tiger, then they were escaping, they thought they were escaping the Endangered Species Act. But since then, the government has determined, in fact, today Jeff Lowe is having all of his hybrids seized by the government because it said these are indeed uh, protected because there's some part of them that is a tiger or a lion which are both protected cats
1: today
0: just this morning really so that's just news right now you got i know
1: <laughs> you heard it here first unless you've been exactly. on google no but,
0: yeah <laughs> but she's been, done a lot of interviews today so who knows <laughs> yeah this is um, first
2: to talk about it <laughs> yeah okay there you go eric <laughs> Well, we you know, been up there a week ago, flying drones over his property because the neighborhood said some of the cats were disappearing. So we've been putting pressure on the government to get in there and do something. So I was really happy to see that happen today.
1: So so our places and I don't know if Jeff I, it, actually Jeff Lowe's place is probably an hour and a half from my house. Um, so I'm in I'm in North Texas. Um, so I know I could drive there. I don't know. how. Maybe it's two hours. I don't know. Never been there. They're kind um, of right now. So are are those places still continuing to uh, breed cats and sell them? Or is that um, you know with the with the media and and especially the Netflix deal, did that did that uh, increase the amount of people looking for them or is that decrease or is it the same or or what kind of impact has had just in the last year, I guess?
2: Really, no. I can only go anecdotally, but as far as Jeff Lowe goes, he lost his license back in August. Okay. So without a license, he's not allowed to buy or sell or even exhibit the animals. And the Department of Justice is now suing him along with USDA and PETA because he has apparently violated that. And part of what they were doing, they went in a few weeks ago and they took all of the tigers who were pregnant, or not pregnant, but all of the tigers who had just been born because there was evidence that they said these animals were not being fed properly and they were ending up with all of these metabolic bone diseases. So they took the cubs and all of the mothers, even though the mothers had been separated just so that he wouldn't breed the mothers again. And then today went in and took out the hybrids. So hopefully they'll get all of the cats out of there because of the fact that he's not allowed to be breeding or selling or doing any of that. And as far as whether or not that's happening, like I know Doc Antle out in um, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, is still offering pay-to-play schemes Mm -hmm. out there. I've heard people say that that's still open. They're still pimping out cubs. But he's also under indictment by the state of Virginia for animal trafficking and animal abuse charges. And he was supposed to go to court um, mid-April, managed to get it postponed. Till June, so that he could make—I'm sure—so that he could make the most of this. Um, what do they call it? Spring break season. Yes. Which is a big season for them to make a lot of money. Yeah. So sadly, I think these people know how to work the system and to delay justice for as long as they possibly can, ring every dollar that they can out of these babies.
0: So you're not just hated by some people that watch the show, but you're also hated by those all those. Pe- all those- Villains, after he found out the backstory or did more research on those people you're mentioning, Jeff Lowe and the guy from South Carolina, all that stuff, right?
2: Well, those guys have always hated me. Right. I mean, we started as soon as I found out the truth that none of these animals could ever serve any kind of conservation value and that these people had been lying to me, I started exposing them for that. And what I started doing was keeping a website at 911 animalabuse.com and the mm-hmm. reason i set that up was because so many of these people will operate under different names so that their bad actions don't follow them and so when joe exotic would go out to the mall he would have a different name just about every time he went out oh, so when we would you know contact the mall and say well you know this guy is <laughs> look at all these citations he's got like 300 and some odd citations from USDA for the way he treats animals you don't want to be involved with that And they'd say, well, that's not him. It's some other name. And so I discovered that 21 of these organizations that I was chasing around and putting on my chart were actually him. And so I created like all of these people, that's all Joe Exotic. And so that's why he hated me so much. And I did it with every one of these animal abusers. And so they have been, there's been so many of them that have threatened to kill me over the years, threatened to harm me, done everything they could to shut me up because they didn't want the public to know what they were doing. And certainly didn't want law enforcement looking into the things that they were doing. And I've actually even been physically attacked by some people. I know that there were people that, you know, after Tiger King were doing this free Joe exotic nonsense and saying he was set up by Jeff Lowe. And Mm -hmm. it was just that was so crazy. There were people in 2015 that were calling me and saying Joe had had, um, tried to pay them to kill me or tried to pay their husband to kill me. And every time I would turn this into law enforcement, and they just never did anything about it until they stumbled into it, looking into a lemur sale, <laughs> that was what yeah. led them into the middle of
1: this whole murder for hire plot so one of the things well, I'd love to talk about some of the discrepancies, but one of the things that came up in the um in the series or whatever we want to call it um was. Talking about, and I think it was near the end when Joe's like naming names and doing stuff like that, uh, is that like, it was rumored that that Doc had like a, a furnace where he was burning the cats that didn't sell, they were getting too old. Um, and and I'm guessing you haven't been to Doc's and you're not going to talk about that even if you did, but but is that, I mean, is there truth that not so much about him, but just that, that those are out there and that is like, see, is that a common practice? Uh, for, for places that are breeding them once they get too big, or is there, is there evidence that that's happened regardless of one person, but within that, within that industry?
2: Yes, and we have gotten whistleblower reports, not only from Doc Antle's organization, but others as well, and some of them, uh, one in particular was Siegfried and Roy, and I cannot verify these reports, but that's that's what these people were saying is they would use the cubs for as long as they could. And then they would, um, use chloroform to knock the cubs out and incinerate them while they were alive. And that has just been this persistent, um, intel that keeps coming in about these different places around the world, around, well, (laughs) around the world, actually. And we've not been able to get inside these places to find that out because they are treated like Fort Knox. I mean, Right. If you sure. look into the people who have come out of Doc Antle's place, they have said that they were forced to give up all their earthly possessions. They weren't allowed to have any access to the outside world. They had to give up all communications with their families. And they would do this for years at a time with these very young, impressionable girls. And I think if young, you-
1: impressionable girls is what I got out of Doc Antle's yeah. uh, thing as well, because uh, there seemed to be a uh, there was the whole sex part of his thing with the young impression. But when you do that to someone, I mean, it's, it's when you study cults, that's exactly what a cult does. Um, sorry, yeah. keep going.
2: Well, we've talked to a person who had come out of his place and who had said that he had forced her to, Do um, you know what a cattle prod is, an electric mm-hmm. cattle prod.
1: Oh yeah. Are wicked.
2: Midwest. So yeah. that's what they use for training these cats to do. Yeah. Commands on oh, no. cue. Yeah, it's
1: like a stun gun on steroids, right? Say, the stick
2: treats, and so that's what you see them doing when they're on stage. But you'll always yeah. notice that they've got something in their back pocket that looks like one of those short shot um, charge. I forget what you call it, right. cattle prods, cattle and product. so the cat thinks that they still have one, and that's why the cat's behaving, not because it's getting some little treat. But this woman had come out of the organization there and she said she had been forced to do those things to the cats Mm. and that she had seen him actually shove the um, cattle prod down the cat's throat if the cat tried to bite him and set that thing off in its throat and just keep going at it until he nearly killed the cat. And that was why she ended up leaving but she would not and still to this day will not talk to the media or anybody else about what she did because she's so embarrassed that she allowed somebody yeah. to push her into treating an animal that way and i think yeah. that that's probably why it's so hard to get intel out of these places is because these young mostly young women are being exploited this way and made to feel so bad about who they are and what they've done that they dare not ever speak out against it.
1: Right. Cause you have the, you have the, um, you know, there's a lot of dark seedy, you know, dark, you know, the darker side of, of, you know, raising, uh, big cats or, or in that world. And as they show the different groups, you know, some of the things you, you come from it, Uh, was one is the the euthanizing the murdering right of of the animals um and and i I don't know that anybody watching it i think everybody was kind of caught off guard at that point was like whoa wait the they're you know i mean yeah business you know financially you're going well you can't afford to feed them it's blah 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 uh but then you um you know it 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 sounds of other times in our our world's history of use it until it's not beneficial. And then you just kill it or throw it to the side. And it's like, okay, that's, that's definitely red flag concern. There, there's countless red flags, but then the other seedy side of it was just, and I think that's how they started the whole series of just, Hey, in this world of, of big cats, there's, there's greed, there's fear, and there's power. Right. And that's what you're going to see all over as we go to all these different you know, people in venues and we're gonna, you know, they, they obviously focused on Joe because Joe is Joe is Joe. Um, we've not interviewed Joe. That would be wildly entertaining. I'm sure. Um, I (laughs) I mean, just the personality, but, but each one, it's like, you know, there is this, there is this power. So, you know, people go in, and I'm sure a lot of people, like you said, young impressionable women, go in with this desire to, to serve, right? Just like why would somebody get why would somebody get a social service degree in college, knowing that that you're probably never going to make more than twenty five, thirty thousand a year? And it's like because it's not about the money; it's because I love this and I want to do it, and I do it for free, right? And then they go to these places and they really do work for free, um, and you know their food is made up of the leftovers that Walmart threw away. Uh, if it didn't get put in the pizza that people are eating, which is disgusting. Um
2: I wondered if anybody got that out of watching Tiger King. It was like you realize he was poisoning
1: everybody in the neighborhood, right? <laughs> it just, there was there was so many things. It's like, yeah. where do we what do we address, right? Do we address the abuse of the cats? Do we address the the you know yeah. taking advantage of 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 young women into you know sexual and having multiple And and then, like you say, they give up everything like it really like a cult, you know. Yeah, it's not Manson where they're telling you to kill people. Although right. it may be where they're trying to kill. And, but cats. See
0: what's interesting, Eric, is all that kind of stuff happens in the professional wrestling business as well, especially in the minor leagues. So when I watched Tiger King, I said, Holy cow, this is just like the wrestling business. They just totally use most of the people. The promoters are the biggest scumbags in the world, and yeah. they just spit you out, chew you up, and say, See you later. Goodbye. In the days of the, of the 90s, not saying pro wrestling managers, promoters are like that now, but I bet you they are. And then the sadness. When did you find out the dark side of what was happening, Carol? Like you talked yeah. about, you finally turned, you're saying, I can't do this. This is wrong. But when did you find out all the other people that were doing so many horrible things?
2: Well, I had seen the facilities that we had visited. So like there was a tiger by the name of Shere Khan that we had rescued, my husband and I, um, actually from one of the people who was in Tiger King, remember the guy with the long white beard, his name was Dennis Hill. And he ran a place out of Flat Rock, Indiana. And, um, my husband had heard that this guy out in Indiana had a bunch of leopards and he wanted to go see leopards because he had never seen leopards up close and so we flew out there because he was he was a pilot. <laughs> turns out I didn't know until after Tiger King that he never had a license <laughs> he always told me he had it for a day and that they took it away from him for t- taking off and landing at a closed airport but Apparently he never passed his his written because he couldn't read or write. And I always wondered how the hell did he do that since he couldn't read yeah. or write. But anyway, we went to Flat Rock to see these leopards and it was the most horrific thing I had ever seen. It was just row after row of these filthy, nasty cages. And there was a tiger in there that I swear if I had gone like this around, I don't think I could have touched that cat's ears. He was that big around his head and he was just... Wow he couldn't take more than even half a step to one side or the other in this little cage. And uh, we went into the guy's house and he was like, come on in and sit down. And I was like, I'm not touching anything And here. This is so freaking disgusting. And I saw this pet taxi in the corner that was like rocking all over the place, went over and peeked inside. And it was this tiger cub that had just maggots all eaten away at his belly because he had been laying in his own poop and urine and acid burns on him from being in the urine. And we asked him, you know, what are you doing with that? And he said, well, he was supposed to be born white, I had a deposit on him, he turned out golden, and so nobody wants him. And so we tore the whole backseat out of our plane to bring that cat home. And I started doing water therapy with him to help him get use of his back legs again. And he grew to be a 750 pound tiger like his father, Tony, gigantic cat, really sweet, sweet cat, but I saw these horrible conditions that people were keeping cats in, and I stupidly thought they just don't know any better, and maybe if we could show them that when you give the animal more space, they're healthier, when you give them better food and better vet care, you know, you don't have all these animals dying on you, so that was our initial approach was showing people a better way of taking care of the animals that they had, didn't want to be educated they didn't care all they wanted was those cubs that they could use from the time that they could rip them away from their mother until they were about 16 weeks old and by that time they can take a finger off of a small child so when you talk about you know are there incinerators out there it is the numbers that don't lie so if you go to Doc Antle's place we send spies in there all the time and they'll tell you you can go he's got two locations one is like a um, Uh, like a strip center in a touristy area and you can go in there and you can pay your money and you can have your picture made with a cub and there's always like anywhere from six to a dozen cubs there and they're always within that eight to 16 week range well if you run a business year round and i think he's closed for the winter but the rest of the time he's open he's always got cubs there and yet his census with usda goes up by two cats a year four cats a year Where are all (laughs) those cubs going? Right. Nobody cares. Nobody's looking.
1: The the math doesn't add up.
2: Yeah. And this is, you know, that's one place. There's a bunch of them. There were like 56 of those really big cub petting operations in 2011 when I did a census. You know, we we counted everybody that was doing it and how many cubs they were using. And we figured there was at least 200 cubs a year, just tiger cubs that were being used that didn't include the lions or the likers. And now there's only about six of those left. So as states have passed bans and partial bans, and as some people have seen the handwriting on the wall that our federal bill is going to pass this year, they've been getting out of that industry, but there's still a few left. And I'm not going to stop until they're all done.
1: So what what about what about, you know, Joe, your next door neighbor, right? Not yours, not mine. You know, I've I've lived in neighborhoods, I've never seen anybody who owned a tiger that I knew of. Uh, I'm guessing they've got big property or something, or they're out in the country or out in the sticks or wherever they happen to be, because uh, you're not going to have it like walking down the street in a, in the suburbs. But you know, oh, actually, what do you... San Antonio? That's happened like three times this year. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully not. Um, I'm really changing yeah. my pants if I that happens and I walk outside. <laughs> I'm not expecting it, but you know what do you what do you say to the person? And I'm guessing you've gotten this call of somebody who's like, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time. And I got this thing and now, you know, it was, it was 10 pounds or five pounds is cutest thing. And we play with it. And now it's 700 pounds or it's, it's 150 pounds. And it's just, you know, it's only 10 months old or whatever. Like, what do you, what do you say to that person? They're like, help. I, I, I'm trapped.
2: We will help those people. We will take the cat for them. We won't charge them anything for the upkeep of that cat for the next 20 years that it's going to live here with one, caveat. They have to sign a contract with us saying they will never get another big cat and they will never pose with another big cat. Because if I see a picture of you cuddling with a cat after the day that I have rescued this one from your idiot face, (laughs) I am coming after you for the full weight of what it's going to cost me to take care of that cat. And it costs me $10,000 per tiger per year just Mm -hmm. for vet care, not any of the overhead of the sanctuary. So that's actually written into the contract. Unfortunately, there are a lot of places that they get their money through doing a rescue and they need animals to rescue or else that money stops coming in. And so they don't want these people to stop getting cubs. They don't want these bad guys to stop breeding cats because that's how they make their money. And yet you can never raise enough money during a rescue to take care of that cat for more than a year. So if that cat's going to live past a year with you, it's a, it's a reverse Ponzi scheme that's never going to work unless you've got, like I do, real estate and all this other stuff that's helping to support the cat. So I think everybody who takes in a cat should require that that person never get another exotic cat.
1: That's for sure. Do, do any of them ever want to keep it or, or, you know, is there a way for them to uh, is there ever a situation i mean i'm guessing you've got to have a lot of land
2: unfortunately florida has the largest cage requirements for a big cat if you can go outside to a parking space in a any parking lot a single parking space that you would park a car in that's how big florida says it has to be for up to 2 lions or tigers for their entire wow. and is- they'll
1: they'll they'll be the length of the parking space
2: Yeah, it's like 16 feet by 20 feet, I think, is the the standard here. And Florida has the best laws of any state, which is just ridiculous. So even though you may think that your neighbor has a lot of land, those cats are not living on a lot of land. They're living in some tiny little cage. And, you know, people don't know when those cats are next door. We had, you know, at our peak, we had 200 cats here in Tampa. We have about 50 now. We had a bunch in the early days because we had taken in so many from fur farms at one time. But people would come out here for a tour, and they'd see the cats roaring, and they were like, "I live like five miles away. I never could figure out what that sound was, and you could hear
1: it five miles <laughs> away. They didn't know until they saw the cat. Oh, that's what- wasn't a car. <laughs> wow. So, okay. So, what's the problem with? I mean, I've got a handful of questions that have that have kind of come up as we've talked. But first, was you know, what's the issue with somebody wanting to take a picture next to a cute, cuddly kitten? I mean, it sounds fun. I I wouldn't want to do it, given the chance. So what's the problem with that?
2: This is the hardest thing for people to wrap their head around. And I actually had a explainer video cartoon created to make this as simple as I possibly could. It's over Mm -hmm. at Cubtruths.com. But essentially, here's the deal. So when people want to pet a cub, they have to keep replacing those cubs every two months or so. And that creates all of these cubs that are now in the the supply and demand. Well, they're actually being dumped after they can't be used once they're 16 weeks old. They're either being killed, like we believe they're being killed and incinerated alive. Exactly. Or, or, and nobody would pay to pet a cub if they knew that was going to be. Right,
0: right. Never. Never
2: or they're being given away when they get to be big enough that they can't be used. And that's when people get them as pets. Most of the people that have them as pets didn't pay anything for them. They were just like, Oh wow. It's a free tiger.
1: <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. I'll take free. one. <laughs> and then it's like I 700 it pounds. What do we
2: do with this thing? Oh my God. And it's always like that, you know, they yeah. a great pet and they show off with it until it's about a year and a half old and it's, you know, 200 pounds. Um, So all of these cats end up out there in the private ownership. Those cats end up in the illegal trade for their teeth and their claws and their skins and their bones. There's something called tiger bone wine and they actually use bones from lions and tigers and jaguars because you can't tell once it's been skinned what it is. But it's a luxury product in Asian markets and it's illegal. But because of the fact that if you get caught with any of those products, you can just say it was my pet tiger. Nobody can do it. But if
1: it,
2: if there were a law against you. Drinking
1: wine from your pet tiger seems a little dysfunctional.
2: Well, so does hanging their skin on the wall. I don't know anybody that does that with their dog or their cat.
1: Yeah. I don't know if they do that with their own pets though. Yeah. I don't know. Weird. Okay.
2: But. If there's a law against having a lion or a tiger as a pet and you get caught with those items, then there's, you know, jail time and there's substantial fines and it stops that industry. Now, if you think about the fact that it's going to take $10,000 a year to raise a tiger up to a full size, you know, probably four or five year old cat. Now you got $50,000 invested in this cat that's worth about $60,000 for its parts. If you shoot a tiger in the wild, how much is a bullet? It's so much
1: used to not be as much, but yeah, still way cheaper than, you know, two bucks.
2: Yeah. And so if you grow that market, just like if you grow the auto market and more people can afford cars, there's always going to be people that want that premium product, the BMW, Mm. the Lamborghini, whatever they consider the premium. It's the same thing with the products from the tigers. They want the most virile cats. They want the wild tiger, not the cage raised inbred crossbred cat so it puts increasing pressure on the cats in the wild, so it's really hard for people to understand if I'm petting this cute little cub, how that's killing the tiger in the wild, and that's why we made this cartoon to explain it to right. them, because it's, it's just not, it's
1: not, well, it's, it doesn't make sense, right, you're thinking it's just cute, like when I'm walking down the trail, and the guy's got his dogs with him, like we stop, and we're like, can we pet him, and we, you know, you get down, and you pet them and you say hi, and you know, mine are like through the wall. It's like, this is a term of endearment. So why wouldn't I want to pet, you know, this cat? Cause I've never pet, you know, a tiger or lion before. Um, but it makes sense that when you do that, you know, I, I guess, and part of the reason I asked the question is, you know, when we went to, uh, when we've gone to Canada and other places like that, uh, if you're out and about and, and they'll tell you, you know, as you're entering the town, it's like, Hey, don't, don't feed the bears. Don't touch the bears. And I'm like, wait, feed the bears that sounds fun and you hear back you know in the 50s at yellowstone they did feed the bears and it's like yogi bear and yellowstone Jellystone, and it's like they they would literally feed the feed the animals from their vehicles right but they're like you can't do that now and i was like why not and then i and then i find out hey if you feed a bear the city has to kill the bear um you know euthanize it is the term they use because people don't understand what euthanize means but it means kill it right And it's like, if you feed the bear, they have to kill it. And I'm like, whoa, why would you, why would you kill a bear? Just because you, they got into your food or something. It's like, because they'll come back. And then, you know, for one, somebody could get injured, but also it's teaching them. And there's all this stuff that, that if you're not familiar with it, it's like, what's the big deal. But then when you find out the rest of the story, Carol, like you're saying, look, you pet that cub, they've got to keep cubs coming. Because otherwise people won't pet them, right? Supply and demand. But that cub's going to get old in 16 weeks, which is not that long. And then they got to replace it with another one and another one. And then what happens to those cubs? Uh, and the same thing with bear, I was like, well, you know, once you find out, you're like, well, crap, I don't want to feed the bear now. I mean, I wanted to 10 minutes ago. Right. Because that sounds awesome. But now that I know that like, wait, if, if, I, if I feed that bear, that bear dies. Okay, now I don't want to feed a bear. As much as I still want to feed a bear, I'm like, not if it's going to kill them. Like me, me touching that cat means that a cat's going to die. You know, to some, you know, equating maybe not that specific one, but but no, mathematically, yeah, every single one
2: of them, I guarantee. Yeah, you. yeah,
1: unless they sell it or give it away, right? Um, but it's going to end up in a horrible. But, but either way, it never turns out. What are you going to do? Yeah, there's not that many places that need a cat. If they're if they're going through them, churning through them that quick, it's like something something malicious is going to happen to that. Um, it's like, man, okay, now I get it. And And if
2: the person I've ever talked to and told them this, they would always, they still will always argue and say, well, the situation that I did was different. No, it was not. (laughs) I'm absolutely certain it was not different. You, you were part of the problem and you didn't even know
1: it. Right. So, um, Yeah, because that was that was definitely the one of the major deep, dark, shady sides of this industry was, you know, they're they're killing the cats and everybody that watched it because now we're endeared to the cats because you're seeing them. I mean, maybe maybe not so much on, you you know, when when what's your name gets your hand bit off by it or fingers, whatever it was. I was like, okay, So, uh, you know, now I'm now I'm in the uh, book of Narnia. Is he is he a sweet one? And it's like, no, no, you know. Um He's he's ferocious, but he's good, right? Well, these are they're ferocious. I mean, even though they're beautiful tigers and lions, they're tigers and lions, right? They yeah. they will bite you. Exactly. They will, you know.
0: Don't so, put your hand Eric, through the cage. No, I want to get you moving, uh, Eric. And time wise, looking at it, I know you have some questions. Really, you want to? Oh, ask and I see. Uh, Five fifty-five. Yeah,
2: and I think yeah I have I'm watching the like, yeah. clock.
0: Yeah. Let me so, check Eric,
2: my calendar yeah.
0: here. I'm watching um, time.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Yeah what do you know what do people need to know about that wasn't addressed in the movie like what what do what do you want people to know about stuff that was missed out um about carol about if you ever had the chance to get a tiger what do you want them to know
2: i think well, I'm curious whether you think that message came across in Tiger King, because I don't think people understood that whenever they paid a pet a cub, that it's always
1: going to end badly for the cub.
0: No, I don't and think that came, that no, just, not at all. You did. It, but it definitely else, wasn't
1: but direct. It was it really
0: cool. And you could
1: get a lot of
0: chicks and have a fun time if you get the pet a cub. That's what yeah. I saw from, and then they, then you just the public service announcement from you, but they're bad mouthing you the whole time. So there was no good way of showing the spin with you and PETA that really you were the good guys at all. That's my take. I'm surprised you even noticed that PETA was in there
2: because it was like what they have like two lines and they could have talked for hours on why this is such a bad thing for people to do. And yet they were given hardly any airtime.
1: Right. And that's, exactly. that's showbiz, I guess. Um, but yeah, back to that question what would you just to summarize on any of those things what what was missing what 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 would you like to say because i know we're we're out of time
2: i actually had uh created a website at bigcatrescue.org slash netflix because what you just said uh neil i thought was interesting is they would let me say the the contrary thing to what all of these men were saying but they would have me say something. And then they'd have all five of them say, she's wrong. She's wrong. She's, exactly. wrong. she's wrong. And so the, the viewers left with, oh, well, they're all saying she's wrong. She must be wrong. Yeah. And if you go through, like I did, minute by minute through the entire Tiger King, I address, you know, here's what you were seeing on, on the screen, but here's the evidence that I produced for those producers so that they knew better than to say the things they did or to give air to the things that they did. You know, like the septic tank and the grinder and all of that kind of craziness. Yeah. Talking about how I had uh, married a millionaire and um, had been a home wrecker and
0: had uh, cheated his children and all. Yeah, that you're a murderer. I'm I'll, just being. I'm just being. I mean, that's what
1: I know. We didn't even get a chance to go there. I, I know, lost it track. Of time, Eric, I,
0: as a radio guy that does so many interviews, I'll cut to the chase. They thought you were a murderer. That's if you watched the show and didn't watch the next episodes after, meaning the ones during the pandemic to kind of tell the true story. If you didn't really pay attention, which 90% of this country doesn't in the world, they think that you killed your husband. Yeah. And that's why I went through minute by minute and said, here's all the evidence
2: that they had that would have made you think differently if you had been given the opportunity to see it or read it or learn it for yourself. But you didn't get to see that because that wasn't the narrative that they wanted to pitch. And so there you know, it would take me hours to go through all of that. But people can go to bigcatrescue.org Netflix if they want and sit there
1: minute through minute and see what the real truth was. No, that's cool because that answers it. Yeah. Um, and then very final, you know, ours is living a legacy, right? It's how it's how celebrities and amazing people use their impact to influence the world around them. And I, I think your legacy is clear um, in that you're, you're trying to be an advocate, a voice um, to, to protecting big cats. The question I like to ask everybody is, as you're living your legacy, what do you want to be your legacy? How do you want to be remembered?
2: You know, what I want to come of this, I don't care what people think about me, but what I want to come of this, is for zoos to adopt a different way of teaching people about animals. I think that's the last stronghold. People already realize we shouldn't be turning these cats into goats. We shouldn't be having them in circus acts. We shouldn't have them in backyards and basements. But zoos are like the big holdout. People think they've got to take their kids to the zoo so they'll care about wildlife. And we've lost 95% of the big cats using that idea. So that didn't work. And I think it teaches kids the worst message you could teach them. It's like, it's okay if we destroy their their birthright and their habitat um, and keep them in this prison cell because that amuses you and that makes it okay. No, that's not okay. That is not okay to teach your kids that. So I think what zoos need to do is completely remake themselves. And we have been working on prototypes for that to show them that it's cheaper than having wild animals in cages to do virtual reality experiences. We've created the world's first virtual reality game where you actually track a tiger in the wild. We're working on all of this stuff with augmented reality and virtual reality and the NFTs and we just launched the cat coin and all of those Uh things as ways of showing zoos that they can be relevant and they can teach people about these animals in a way that doesn't require having animals in cages. And the way I see that happening is through these internet streaming remote controlled cameras that are 360 cameras in the environment where those cats live. And the revenue from the um, subscriptions and the ads on those cameras go to the local economies to support taking care of the animals in the wild where they live, doing what they do naturally, which means you have to have a ecosystem that's actually intact for a big cat to survive. And that gives everybody who has big cats, Australia, unfortunately, they have no cats. So I don't know what to do there, but everywhere else you've got cats and you've got communities that can rally behind their cats to protect them so that everybody in the world can slip on a headset and see those cats in real time doing what they do. That's educational. That's teaching people about why these are important um, ecosystems for us to protect. And I think that's what's going to ultimately save the planet. So that's my goal is that we actually save our own life support system by taking care of cats in the environments where they belong.
1: All right. Cool. Well, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. Um, and I heard, and we'll, we'll wrap with this. I heard that you're actually trying to get Joe out of jail or red um, or at least working. There's something working behind the scenes with that, that, that he's agreeing to effectively what you've been trying to say the whole time.
2: Well, um, actually So what I said was, if he were to help us get our federal bill passed, which bans cub petting and phases out private possession, doesn't take away anybody's cat, but they just can't buy or breed more. And if he were to go state's evidence against all these other bad guys that I feel are killing these cats and, you know, tell everybody where the bodies are buried and put those guys who I think are a lot more dangerous than he is behind bars, then mm-hmm. I think he should get a reduced sentence. But he came out and said, well, I'm calling her bluff, but the bill's got to be rewritten because I don't want to ban cup and people should be able to own big cats. So and it's like, those are the only two things my
1: bill done.
0: That's just <laughs> called pork. You know,
1: you just add that into the bill. It's it's no big deal. No,
0: that's Joe exotic for you.
1: Yeah. Carol, thank you for, thank you for setting, shedding some light on, on this and um you know, bringing, bringing, uh, you know, another perspective, your perspective, uh, and letting us know and meet you and, and, and hear more of your side. So I appreciate you joining us today. Really do.
0: Eric and Neil, thank you so Thanks. much for having me. Thanks Carol. And thank you clubhouse. Cause if I wouldn't have saw Carol on stage with me on clubhouse, then that's right, I would not. And was modded and then decided I'm going to shoot her a message. Wouldn't have her on the show. So that's just teaches everyone out there. Always ask.
1: So I'm always ready. ask all right see some
0: clubhouse. It's so much fun over there. Oh, it is. It's a global, it's a blast for sure. All right, awesome. Okay, okay, guys. That was living a legacy. Take care, guys. And then, um can you do a quick little yeah. Just tell tell her. Just this is hey. This is Carol Baskin, and you're listening to Le- Living a Legacy.
1: Just got Yeah, there. if you.
2: Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Carol Baskin, and you're listening to Living a Legacy.
0: Perfect. She's awesome. Okay. Take care, guys. Thank you, Carol. I'm hitting all I'm on to my next call too. Take care, Yeah, Thank you. I'll see you wow. guys. Thanks, bye.